The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thank you for joining us today. We have a, a great show. As you all know, uh, I was just recently in Dubai and, and uh, did the keynote for the uh, Arabia Society for Human Resource Management, and it was a wonderful, wonderful program. Not only did I meet some phenomenal people, um, but I also had the opportunity to meet many, many, many people in the audience and what an interested group of people from all over the GCC trying to really learn how they can develop people and how they can make sure that they have the best talent in the area to build their businesses. It was a very, very exciting event. I was excited to run into Dave Ulrich, whom we found out we, we our paths had crossed a number of times before, and he's going to be on the radio show sometime this month, so stay tuned for that, and uh, a bunch of other really interesting people. But today I have with me Karim Philfillian and Philan, I'm sorry, and he is the deputy editor of Changeboard UK and editor of Changeboard in uh, the Middle East. And the reason I asked Karim to come on board is because they were the principal organizers behind this event. And they did a wonderful job of pulling together a top-notch group of speakers and orchestrating and coordinating this conference, which was, by all accounts, one of the best in the region. And I've been to a number of them and and spoken at a number of them, actually. And I I would have to concur with everybody I I talked to in the audience that this was really a great event. Um, So... Karim uh, has a lot to do with ChangeBoard. As I said, he was the editor. And welcome, Karen. I'm so glad to have you on board. So tell me a little bit about ChangeBoard, Karim. Sure. So um, ChangeBoard uh, is an organization based in the UK. So we're we're based in London. And we kind of set up 10 years ago um, initially as a job board. So it's mainly a a way for HR professionals to to source high-level jobs, HR director-level jobs. Um, in the UK. Now, over the years, we've kind of developed that model and become much, much more about content. So providing HR professionals, uh, leadership professionals in general with the advice they need to kind of grow their careers. So, you know, we tend to focus on three main areas, which are looking at leadership, uh, talent and career. And those are three kind of key sectors that we kind of examine. 
Um, during that time, we've developed both a print magazine, which goes out in the UK, uh, and a, a new kind of website, which is all about community. So the idea is rather than it just coming from the change board team and the staff, um, we have a lot of contributors, and obviously Linda is a contributor to our site as well. So you know, we kind of work with thought leaders and high-level HR professionals to do that. Now, part of my role is also to work in the Middle East. So um, about three years ago, we uh, started traveling out to, to the Middle East, Dubai and Saudi Arabia, you know, meeting professionals there, um, showcasing our magazine there. And while we got kind of great feedback on what we were doing in the UK, the thing that came out more and more was that professionals in the Middle East wanted something directed towards their problems, the issues they were facing in their organizations. So about three years ago, we decided to set up a uh, print magazine for, for the GCC. Um, and uh, also a dedicated website for there as well. So we now have operations both in the UK uh, and Dubai. And the final thing that's kind of worth mentioning about ChangeBoard is that we also run a lot of events. So obviously, as Linda spoke about earlier, um, we actually run an annual conference in the UK. Um, we had it last week, and we had about a 1,000 uh, kind of leadership and HR professionals attend the conference in the UK. And we've also just kind of started working in the Middle East doing a similar sort of thing. So last week was a very busy week because we also had a conference in the Middle East, which we helped to organize uh, in conjunction with Ashram, which is the uh, Arabian Society for HR Management. Yeah, that's great. Um, I love your magazine. It really uh, is a great magazine. So, uh, Karen, what made you decide, you know, you're you're in the UK, uh, mm-hmm. lots of other places to branch out to. What 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 was the thought behind going into the Middle East? Sure. I think, you know, for, for us as an organization, um, it just made sense. It's, it's a very up-and-coming area. You know, there's a lot of um, desire for, for growth and for leadership and, and to learn more about the sector there. Um, purely logistically as well, you know, us being based in London, the, the trip across to Dubai is kind of six hours. So it's, it's, it's a good place for us to kind of start branching out and going more global. Um, and there's much more of a, a captive audience. You know, we started going out there because we built some relationships with some organizations in the UK and they, they were setting up the Middle East arm. And, um, you know, we went out there to kind of promote our UK side of things. And the thing that really struck us was just the desire for something localized to the region. Now, you know, contrary to kind of a lot of opinions that people have of the Middle East, it's, it, it, it is an area of, of growth and, and development, and they are looking to learn you know, about things. It's not as kind of set in stone and as, as rigid as a lot of people think. There's a real desire to, to, to take on board not only kind of practices from, from other areas, but also to kind of develop their own strengths. So for us, it just, it just made perfect sense. And, you know, being candid, there's, there's, there's not, you know, many other organizations out there doing the sort of things we do, trying to help develop and so on. So for us, it was just a nice kind of growth market. And there we've been able to build some strong relationships in. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting to me. I, I you know, I think, many people don't know a lot about that part of the world. And in particular, the GCC is is uh, made up of quite safe countries and um, growing countries. And it was very interesting to me to see how open and uh, interested and almost like a sponge people were to learn how to build great organizations. I, I was quite uh, impressed and as I said this has not been my first time there but quite impressed with the uh, views that people have and and their openness what what do you find Karen? Yeah I mean 
totally. That's that's exactly what we're seeing out there. And, and you know, one of the, I think you've you've commented in previously, but one of the other speakers at the event that we were both at last week was um, Hessel Gurel, who's a chief people officer at Tanfid, which is an organisation you know based out of Dubai, and. They've, they've been doing sort of extraordinary things, you know, between her and, and, yes. and the the, um, the CEO to help in Taraf, um, in in terms of really putting kind of culture and you know people development at the heart of their entire business. Now, this isn't something that traditionally we would associate with that region. You know, people would generally see the Middle East and organisations there being much more kind of top-down, authoritative kind of leadership rather than, you know, being about getting people in and asking them how their day is and, and what they want to contribute to the organization. So, you know, I, I think it's an area that maybe people are, are missing out on and not seeing, you know, the, the potential and the desire for development there. And exactly as you said, I think the really interesting thing about the region is this, this mix of really want to take on board the best of what they can learn from other organizations in, say, you know, America and Canada and, and, and the UK and around the world, but also being at, at this moment in time stepping up and saying, actually, you know what, we're an organization and a culture in our own right, and we you know, have the ability to innovate as well. We're not just kind of an old style of leadership. We're actually doing really interesting things in our region that we should shout about as well. Yeah, and, you know, I totally agree with that. You know, I had uh, Sohail, the CEO of Tanfeeth, on my show, and uh, I blogged about him. Um, it was really interesting when I uh, talked with him, and he talked about how he was really focusing on the people element of Tanfeeth. And then I went and toured his facility, and sure enough, he really was. I mean, he was putting his money where his mouth is, and um, Hessa what an outstanding HR leader! You featured them in your magazine, right? We, yeah, we did. So, yeah, we've 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 worked. I mean, we in the similar to yourself, we worked with Tanfita a couple of times, and we've um, you know featured both Sahel and, and Hessa. They're actually the uh, the cover stars of our, of our current edition, which has just gone right. out in the Middle East in the last in the last month. And um, the great thing about them is, well, they're very open. You know, there's nothing there that that's kind of off limits. If you if you talk to them, they're very clear about what they're trying to do and and why they're trying to do it. And I think. Another really interesting thing just with them as a case study is is kind of Sahail, although he, he is the CEO, his background is in HR, so his previous roles are all HR-based, and that really informs kind of what he's trying to do out there. You know, he understands this kind of idea that, you know, the modern organization is always about the people and the culture and, and, and you know, what your people want to get out of it. And, um, yeah, it's just it's just... It's really nice to see a company like that doing really well, but also to see, as you said, from the conference last week, how much other people want to take on board. Even, you know, just to mention briefly, um, another organization that was talking at the Ashram conference last week, um, which was Saudi Telecom, STC, and we had the CEO, um, Khalid Biari, Dr. Khalid Biari, you know, talk about that. And, you know, that's a Saudi Arabian organization. Again, even, you know, people generally see that as being even more closeted, but... The work that he's done in engagement at STC, you know, has, has had tremendous results in terms of how they're improving both their relationships with their people and their customers. Yeah, it's it's really true. I I went, as you know, I went and did a, a workshop uh, for uh, Tanfeeth, which is runs the back office operations really for the National Bank of Dubai. And um, when I was at GE, I helped set up the same kind of thing for one of our organizations and. All of their senior managers were there. I had about 40 people. And the dialogue was fantastic, uh, really thinking about how they build relationships uh, with the front end of the bank, how they keep their folks motivated and engaged, 
how they drive strategic communication, how they align their communication, uh, their strategy, and provide line of sight to their folks. And it was just, uh, you know, an, an impressive uh, array of people, young, very young from a lot of different parts of the world, all working together. Um, and I was very impressed as well because Suhail actually stayed through the whole two hours of uh, the discussion and participated actively, which, you know, a lot of times you find American leaders or CEOs, you know, they're going to walk in, say a nice word and, you know, blow out. They wouldn't stay for the whole uh, time. And that really signaled a great message. I thought it was a uh, a wonderful experience. Well, it's I a also classic thing, isn't it? About sorry, it's that classic thing about the leader actually living the values of the company, isn't it? And, and you yeah. can really see that with them. Yeah, and he, I think, is a real embodiment of that. And Hessa, you know, she uh, comes from um, you know a wonderful family background, and she is so dedicated to the values of that company. It it's um, it's quite. Impressive, it really is. You know, we also had uh, Saudi Aramco uh, at the conference, right? And they, um, uh, you know, I had spoken that they had was a recent article in the New York Times uh, magazine on Sunday about all the innovation that Saudi Aramco uh, was doing. Which I know you do a lot of work with them too. You have a comment about how they're they're moving along? Well, uh, you know, again, the. the yeah, they're they're a much more open organisation than, than than you would imagine. So we've spoken previously, and and she was at the event um, to Huda Al Ghosan, who's their executive VP of HR. So kind of the you know, the number two person with HR there, and you know the, the kind of figures and, and and training budgets they're dealing with are astronomical. I mean, I believe her training budget is something like one billion dollars. You know, just alone for, for all the staff of Aramco. But right. It, you know, for them, it's, it's very much about the, the development of people. And, you know, while they may have the resources, they are using it in a really, really strong way. And, and the, you know, they're, they're putting a lot more thought into how they can develop their people. I mean, you know, there are some kind of financial issues going on in, in the Middle East at the moment where, you know, dealing with moving away from the oil industry. And Aramco has been very much about not just developing new resources and new ways of working, but also about how they can develop the talents of their people. And, yeah, the region in general, but Saudi Arabia in particular, also has a, a, a an issue with employing younger people. You know, kind of the next generation, and they've been doing some excellent work in terms of training those people up and get them into leadership positions, but also being able to move them across different areas of the organisation. Um, but Aramco is a fascinating case study in general. You know, with with the talk around them potentially floating as well. So there's a, there's a lot going on for them at the moment. Yeah, that's great. This is a perfect time to take break. I take a break. We're going to be talking a little bit about Saudi, more about Saudi Aramco and some of the other companies, Alpha Tame, uh, in the region and some of the kinds of things that they're doing. So stay with me. I'm talking to Karam Filan, um, the deputy editor of Changeboard in the UK and editor of Changeboard in uh, the Middle East. Uh, great background uh, and great organization. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. So stay with us. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, 
really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or you can tweet the show at hashtag I lead TLC we'd also love to hear from you by email the email address is radio at lindasharkey.com now back to I lead the leadership connection welcome back I'm Linda Sharkey your host, and with me today is Karam Philip uh, Fafilian, and um, he is deputy editor of Change Board, a really excellent organization that hails out of the UK, focusing on three core segments of, of the workplace, leaders, uh, developing the best talent, and, and how you advance your career. So it's, it's pretty exciting. We were together in uh, Dubai just last week and had a great conference and we were just talking about Saudi Aramco and how um, really surprising it was to see so much, uh, so many people participating in this conference from there. There had to be 30 or 40 people at the conference from Saudi Aramco, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, yeah, there definitely was. I mean, you know, they're they're a major sponsor of the event, but... um, it's a big part of their, their calendar in terms of training and learning development. And, it, it, you know, it, it's an opportunity for them to, to hear directly from, from some major kind of thought leaders and, and, and other organizations as well. So, you know, you, you've mentioned, obviously, that, that Dave Ulrich, who I think will be on your, your show later in the month, um, yes. you know, was one of the main speakers. And the kind of appetite for, for people from, from Aramco and, and other organizations and the reason to hear from these kind of thought leaders was, was huge. You know, they... It was almost like a kind of you know rock star moment for them waiting for him to for him to come on. So yep. you know, I know I know Aramco treat the the, Ash, the, the annual, well, it's been biannual, but potentially it'll be annual now. The, the Ashram conference is a big part of their of their learning. And another thing that they they ran at the event was was having workshops for some organisations. So um, one organisation that was there was the CIPD, which is kind of the the main HR accrediting body in the UK, and they were running some workshops where. Um, people could get uh, certificates. And it was interesting some of the things they were running around. So it wasn't, yes, there was a kind of a workshop around business partnering, but there was also a, a, a strong focus on kind of HR and social media and how you deal with those policies, how you kind of integrate that, how you can build your brand and your own kind of um, identity through social media. So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a real appetite from organizations like Aramco for, for these things. Yeah. And, you know, I noticed um, it, you know, companies all over the world are dealing with that question. It's not just uh, their question. And what is so exciting about being over there is, you know, these are new countries relatively, um, uh, new to uh, the world scene anyway in terms of uh, big business. And it's very interesting to see um, how they're really trying to take the best from what they learn and not take those things that are sort of legacy that are just going to bog them down. 
Uh, culture seems to be one of them. I mean, there were a lot of questions about organizational culture. How do you make that work? And how does that relate to innovation? And it happens to be uh, something that's near and dear to my heart as well. So w- what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I know it's, it's definitely one of your, your, your major, major themes, kind of taking some of the, um, you know, leaving some of the things in the Industrial Revolution and, and bringing things into the modern era. And um, both, well, I'll talk briefly about the Middle East, but also, you know, across the globe. But in the, in the Middle East, it is it is something that I think they're they're very worried about. I mean, you know, we've spoken a lot so far in this in this kind of interview about the, the newfound desire for openness and unwanted to look towards the modern era in the Middle East. But you know, it can't be denied there is still that very conservative, um, you know, feel to the area and and to to, to many of the organisations. So. You know, talking about building a brand identity and, and a culture is still a new thing for many organizations out there. And, and there's a real fear of getting it wrong. You know, uh, losing faces is, is, is uh, while a big thing everywhere in the world is even bigger in the Middle East. And, you know, for many of these companies, the idea of setting up social media and, and kind of putting things out there and trying to build a brand identity beyond something that's very conservative and something that's more about the culture and, and what it can offer, you know, People, both customers and their own employees, is is a very new thing. And um, you know, I think the key thing for the Middle East there is to be able to build culture and build brand identity that sits within their own kind of you know national norms and on what they're comfortable with. Um, and that's something they're you know some of the organisations struggle with, but they're very keen to do so. They're very keen to build on that. And they're very honest about it. I mean, they they talk about it quite quite directly, quite openly. What do you see as uh, kind of the prevailing leadership um, style in uh, the the Middle East area in these countries? Because it can't, I mean, the style in the GCC is not necessarily the style throughout the, the rest of that region. So what, what do you see as the prevailing style? Yeah, I mean, the style is, you know, as you would expect, it's very kind of top-down, authoritative, you know, strong, strong leadership style and, and very much a kind of you know, do do as I say, culture. But, um, but there are organisations moving away from that now. I think that's the key thing, and the reason for that really is the demographic of and the makeup of their their, their people. You know, um, the, I think it's something around like sixty percent of of the the population there is aged under thirty, and you know, a lot of these people um, have grown up with Western culture. You know, they're they're, they're used to. To watching you know uh, TV programs and, and videos and, and you know music videos and all that sort of stuff from the West, and they're they're used to a different style of of, of engagement and interaction. So, you know, the the days of kind of top down leadership in the region, while it's not numbered, are are kind of decreasing, and there is a much bigger plurality of, of, of styles of leadership out there at the moment. And you know, certainly the organisations that are able to take that into account and look to be more inclusive and more collaborative um, are seen as better employers by, I think, a lot of the younger generation. Yeah, you know, that is, that is true. There's something like 200 nationalities uh, in Dubai and just in, in Dubai alone uh, in those businesses. And the, and the interesting part is the majority of people are around uh, under 30, as you, as you say. So the expectation and the experiences are so varied that they really need a more inclusive uh, view uh, of the world. I was also impressed. The opening speaker the night before, um, I think it's the, 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 the woman who is the president of Ashram there. You, you cited her name. She talked about um, 
moving women forward in the region. I thought that was uh, really fascinating and and a great insight. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, I saw a lot of women at the at the at this conference. Yeah, exactly. Um, look, you know, it's not it's not a new thing for the region. It, it's something they've been working on, and um, you know, different countries in the in the region have very different responses. So you'll you'll see you know much more in in, in the Emirates and in, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and that sort of area. You know, there are a lot of um, female leaders, both national and kind of expats. And then you go to other areas such as Saudi Arabia, it's it's less of a of a trend. But having said that, with Saudi Arabia, you know, as, as you mentioned, the, the person you just discussed then, Huda El Hosan, is is the um, executive uh, director of HR at Saudi Aramco, and she was pretty much the most powerful person in that room. You know, on 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 the conference, and there's about 500 people there. So, right. you know, it, it is something that happens. Um, I think. In terms of that, there's a long way to go, but the, the appetite is there. I mean, I, I don't know if you were, I think you were there on, on the day that we had a, a, a panel um, of future, we call it future GCC leaders. So we basically asked um, three kind of 30-year-old-ish um, you know, leaders in the region to come together to discuss what they see are the, what they would see as the future trends of leadership in the Middle East and, you know, as potential future leaders themselves, what they would like to see. And one of them... Um, yeah, I believe uh, I think his name was Khalid Al Khuder, who's the CEO of Glowwork. Uh, they are an organisation based out of Saudi Arabia that really strongly look to promote um, getting women into the workplace. Now you can look at this one in two ways. He he made a speech about how um, it was time for you know people in the region. I think particularly in Saudi Arabia, as he was talking to many Saudi audience, to to stop valuing um, their their women's worth in the workplace on the basis of their, their age and their marital status, you know, which are two big, big factors in the region. Right. And he got, you know, a kind of standing round of applause, which is pretty much, you know, the, the main, the biggest kind of applause that we got on the night. Now, you know, while some, you know, our, our listeners kind of in the West might see that as, you know, well, so what, you know, that's something that should be happening anyway. For someone to come out and say that in a room full of business leaders in the Middle East is, is a big thing. And, and it's a hugely big thing. I wouldn't yeah, minimize that at all. It was a hugely big thing. Yeah, and and, and frankly, I was surprised and, and pleased with the openness around all of that, yeah. which I think is what you're saying. Definitely, definitely. So what were some of the other, uh, for our listeners, what were some of the other leadership trends that, that people were talking about in that panel? Yeah, so in, the, you know, in that panel, I mean... The, the things that, that we would expect across the region, but, you know, there was a big kind of trend towards use of technology. So, you know, how can you know, they recruit um, the younger generation on, on kind of the media that they use? So a, a real big one, which I'm not sure, you know, kind of gets used in, out in the States that much, but it, WhatsApp, which is kind of like, a, you know, an instant messaging app, is, is, is absolutely huge in the Middle East region and in the UK. But, you know, in the Middle East, some organizations, um, one, for instance, would be Do, which is a um, telecoms provider right. uh, out, out of Dubai. Um, they, they actually start recruiting on, on WhatsApp. So they've got an internal kind of direct line, essentially, to, to the HR recruitment management team um, if people want to apply and to ask questions around that. So you know, technology is, is a major, major theme in the region at the moment, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. So... Um, Karen, what what are what do you see as the principal talent issues in the region? Okay, well, the you know, the biggest talent issues that that we hear time and time again in the region is is around nationalisation. So that's that's a major major theme. So, you know, as, as you mentioned, Dubai has kind of got two hundred nationalities there. Um, Population wise, the 
the actual number of um, of nationals in 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 the United Arab Emirates is is very low percentage wise. I think it's below kind of twenty percent of of people that actually live in 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 the region are actually you know, born and, and, and nationals are there. So. Getting those people into the world of work is, is a huge issue um, all across the GCC. And, you know, there's, that requires a slight kind of cultural shift, I think, in mindset. Um, you know, I can speak this personally. I'm, I'm half Saudi myself, so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I did grow up in the region, so I understand the mindset. It's not just me saying this from outside, but you know, there's a tendency for, for nationals to want to be um, leaders and to be managers, you know, not to work their way up. And, right. um, you know, that's a challenge. You can't go in straight from university and expect to be a leader straight away. So getting those people on board and getting them the correct training programs and developing them is, is a major, major source of, um, of frustration and continued development in the region, really. Yeah, that's interesting. So people don't really want us. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, I find that sort of universal. You get uh, millennials today out of out of universities and colleges, and they – you know, they don't understand why they're not the manager in, in um, two years. You know, they've got all this experience, all this knowledge. I, I, I just think that's a maturity issue, to be honest with you. But I also agree with you that there is, um, you know, a cultural uh, and, a, and a regional context that uh, yeah. makes it even stronger in that particular area. What's the biggest thing that surprised you about uh, your engagement with the Middle East? Um, I uh... That's a good question. Um, I think one of the biggest the biggest surprises has has been the openness. You know, I think you know you've seen that, and you know I, I'm kind of um, you know I've only been working in the region for like the last two and a half you know three three years in this sort of sector, and just the, I think also the other thing is the pace of change. So you know, it, it, in the same way that the region you know is developing. You know, technology-wise, and and you know, you only have to look at kind of some of the buildings and lots of stuff when you're out there. In their operational practices, it's very similar. So the, the, the kind of ability to, to to go to these events, or for for HR leaders or, or business leaders out there in general, not just HR leaders, go out and go to these events and assimilate and take on board the ideas they get from speakers or from practitioners or from other cultures, and then implement it into their own organisations. You know, in a way that kind of befits what they want to do in their culture is fascinating. And you know, you, as I said, like I, I mentioned in the last answer, but this idea of kind of using WhatsApp as, as a recruitment-based tool um, and having a direct line to HR and to engagement is, is fascinating. I think you, you you don't see that pace of change and that use of technology in other areas. Yeah, that's that's really true. Uh, do you think? Uh, what do you think of the universities in the region? I've gotten contacted now since I've been there um, to do some work with some of the universities there. And I, what, what's your what's your view? It seems like they have a huge appetite for bringing in thought global thought leaders. Yeah, I think you know, candidly, kind of the, the universities there haven't always been seen as the best. You know, there's been a tendency for um, from nationals in the regions to always kind of travel abroad and go to universities in particularly in the states and you know in Canada and, and Australia and the UK, um, which is you know so kind of improving that that view and the quality of their teaching is a really really big um, momentum factor that the that that region is looking to do both on a, on a governmental level. So. You know, the, the best way of doing that is inter- is to get kind of the, the biggest thought leaders and the best kind of lecturers to come and you know work with them in the region. So you know that's going to be a big development. I think the other thing that you see from an education point of view in the region is um, a lot of uh, universities from the West. So again, from America and the UK, certainly got satellite uh, universities or departments in the region and and kind of working and partnering with 
a government and also uh, local businesses to kind of provide development courses there. That's that's a big factor, big trend we're seeing. So we've seen a lot of UK universities, certainly, and American universities going out there and setting up their own departments. Yeah, I noticed that George Washington, of course, from Washington D.C., is there, and and uh, NYU and uh, some other places. So you, you do see a lot of that. We're at break. Uh, stay with us. We're talking to Karem Philip. I, I'm slaughtering your last name, Karem. Would you say it again? <laughs> great. I'm very used to it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you are. Say your last name. Uh, Phil Falan. Karem Phil Falan. Uh, Karam Filfalon. Now, I ought to be able to get that. Karam Filfalon. Uh, from Change Board, we'll be talking a little bit about broader trends worldwide uh, that Karam sees. He interviews a lot of brilliant people from around the world and major universities. And what does he see as the trends uh, for the future around leadership, talent, and career? Stay with us. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, the host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me is Karam Filfalan from uh, Change Board, an organization that does uh, really some outstanding work around leadership development, talent uh, engagement, and career. How do you build your career and, and how do you find great opportunities for yourself? Um, They've branched out into the Middle East, and it's been a great experience. Uh, Karam is actually part Saudi, so I think that's that's interesting. Have you ever lived in Saudi Arabia, Karam? Yes, yes. So I kind of grew up there uh, until oh. I was uh, around 13, 14, and then I moved back to, to the UK where, where my mother's from and um, yeah, continued working here and studying here. So, yeah, I, hope, have a, I have still have family out there, so I have an in, you know, some insights into, into what it's like there beyond just the kind of uh, business side of things. Yeah, that that's really interesting. You also don't have uh, any Saudi accent. You have a total British accent. Which <laughs> that's Very kind true. of good and interesting. So I wanted to ask you, you know, you interview a lot of people for the Change Board magazine, which I would have to say, having experienced it now and looked at it, it's really a best-in-class magazine. If people don't get it, they should. But um, who is your best interview? 
Sure. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we so uh, you know, as an organisation, we 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 try to do two things. We try to interview kind of thought leaders and people that have interesting stories to tell and have interesting perspectives on on particularly on the future of work, which I know ties very well with what what you talk about, Linda. And the other thing is to speak to um, so our core audience has always been kind of HR directors and, and, and C-suite level people. So talk to people that have interesting stories stories to tell or or, or encountering problems in their jobs. And, and it's all about you know trying to create this idea that, that HR is, is more than just kind of a monster. You know, there is, there is stories to tell and there are people behind that role. So, you know, a, a couple of interviews do kind of bring to mind. One, one recently from a HR perspective, which I found very interesting, was I spoke to the, the um, group HR director of um, Talk Talk, which your, um, your listeners might not be familiar with in, in, in the States, but um, in the UK, Talk Talk is one of the major kind of telecoms providers. So, um, you know, uh, similar to kind of a Vodafone level and all that sort of stuff here. Now, um, in November, I think it was October last year, Talk Talk's um, website was actually hacked um, and oh. details of their customers were stolen. So I think, you know, there was a, a, a large majority of their customers' details were stolen. Um, and, you know, the, obviously they were kind of brought up before the, the British government to explain why this happened. Their CEO was kind of almost trial by media at this time. So, you know, I went out to speak to their um, HR director just um, a couple of months after it happened, you know, to see how they were recovering the brand and, and, and how they were dealing with this. Not so much from a, an external point of view, but internally, you know, how were their yeah. people feeling about this? How were they, you know, repairing bridges there? And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a really fun. I mean, it's, it's in the current edition of our, of our UK, UK magazine. Um, and, will be online and it, you know it's just it was a fascinating take a very brutally honest you know kind of assessment of you know where the organization had gone wrong and you know what they needed to do to improve but also about how it personally you know felt as a, as a HR director to suddenly be at this in the middle of this storm um yeah you know and and the 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 guy that um, the actual HR director he was actually traveling at the time the storm broke so you kind of imagine being on a flight to I think he was going to San Francisco and everything being fine. They're stepping on this plane to having, you know, a billion phone calls and a million messages all going on about, you know, the fact that everything's been hurt and everything's down and, you know, and how do we deal with this from a PR point of view and, and how do we keep our people informed? And, you know, they had some really interesting things to say about how you need to keep your people motivated and, and, and just essentially how to be on, you know, just being brutally honest with them and keep them informed. It was, it was, it was a very interesting piece. The other person that I thought was... Uh, that I've interviewed recently, which is really interesting, from a completely different perspective, is uh, uh, Gurnick Baines, who's um, a psychologist with a firm uh, called YSC. And they do a lot of work with global CEOs uh, and leaders about developing their leadership capability. And he um, spoke uh, at our UK conference, not this year, but the year before. And he um, wrote a book called, uh, I think it's cultural, called Cultural DNA, where he essentially... Um, examine the traits, the culture traits of um, you know different people and, and different countries around the world, and um, you know to give some insight into why certain organisations or certain organisations, certain certain people or certain cultures have certain trends, and you know why some stereotypes. So you know, the stereotype that he talked about was again relevant to the Middle East was. You know, leaders in the Middle East are seen as being very money orientated and you know quite autocratic and very top down and very drive a hard bargain. And you know these stereotypes, we like to kind of dismiss them, but he says, well, you know, stereotypes are there for a reason, and there's there's often something underlying that's behind it. So he, you know, talks in his book about the fact that um, 
Dubai and, and the Middle East is is you know one of the first areas that trade occurred in. You know, it's on that trading route through there. It's one of the first areas that money was introduced. So, you know, culturally, the it's idea part of their of culture, trade, absolutely. You yeah, know, it, it's ingrained in them. Yeah. So, yeah. and and also, you know, that that being kind of and originally Bedouins and, and desert organisations, uh, sort of desert kind of nomads and so on, that trading and, and working with other people and, and bartering, you know, and getting a relationship is re- was really, really important to survival. So this is a kind of trait that has almost built innately into people. And, you know, people shouldn't be ashamed of or, or feel they have to hide or, or, or dismiss these stereotypes as, as he calls more traits as he calls them. But there is often a reason behind it. And so it was a very fascinating kind of take on, on why people work the way they are and why leaders in different regions operate the way they do. Oh, that sounds fascinating. It sounds like I have to get him on the show. Yeah, I think good. <laughs> he sounds like a great person to talk to. So tell me something. What, uh, you know, you talk to a lot of people, uh, Karim. What, what do you see as the um, future trends around leadership and talent and careers? What, what do you see coming down the pike if you had a crystal ball? Well, you know, we discussed this at the conference last week, you and and, you know, a lot of your kind of ideas that you've had very much chime with what we're seeing, which I think you know, is great. One of the main ones, um, which I know you talk about and which I see a lot with leaders, is is purpose, you know, giving people... So the, the next generation of workers, they don't want to kind of just work for a salary or for, or for a particular job or for an organization for a leader. They want to work for a purpose. You know, there's, there's, there's a reason behind why people stay at organizations. It's not so much about money and, and leadership and roles now. It's about what you're offering. So, you know, people want to know why they're doing something. People want to know where the organization is going, what it stands for, what its values are. You know, that's a, a real big thing now from, from kind of an employee point of view. Um, from a leadership point of view, you know, a, a big two big trends that we see are, you know, well-being is, is, is a huge thing in the UK at the moment. We see so much about it now. So, you know, about work-life balance, but, you know, what that means in practice, you know, how can people kind of develop not just from kind of like a, a leadership side, but personally, you know, what, what, what makes you a better leader? What, what makes you, you know, able to kind of just kind of relax into your environment and, and use your brain better. So um, one of the speakers that had, we had at both our UK conference and our release conference was a guy called um, Alan Watkins, and he you know, does a great presentation you know, based around how controlling your brain um, allows you to control your, your, your thoughts and your, and your leadership better, you know, just looking at the physiology of, of, of leadership. So, you know, for instance, um, he, he does a kind of talk about getting some up on stage and, um, you know, measuring their blood pressure and then their kind of heart rate um, when he asks them to perform certain tasks, such as just counting backwards from 300. And you often see, you know, he'll, he'll pull up a, a big leader or a CEO from an organization and you'll see their heart rate, you know, absolutely jump up. And he's kind of saying it doesn't really matter, you know, what you are like on, on, on what you look like on the outside. On the inside, everyone has that automatic reaction to panic when they're asked to do something. So right. he talks about how you can control your thoughts, control your emotions, and, you know, kind of develop your leadership skills from that point of view. It's fascinating. And, and what do you see relative to careers? Relative to careers, you know, um, I, you know I, can, I can kind of attest this myself. You know, I'm, I'm not, while not quite of the, the millennial generation, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not far beyond that. And um, I, I have seen this in my own career, and I see it in, in many people coming up. You know, people don't work their way up the ladder anymore. People want to move from job to job. I think you call it a career lattice, which I think is a great, a great phrase. Um, you know, people 
aren't expecting to start at the bottom in an organization and work their way all the way up. And this is this, this is true whether you're in America, the UK, the Middle East, China, wherever. You know, people want to try different things. So you'll have people, you know, jumping across from job to job, spending two or three years here and there, picking up what they can, developing. You know, it's all about experiences now. It's, it's not so much about, um, you know, growing in a role and, and going up a ladder. It's all about having different experiences and, and finding a purpose in each role. And if, you know, someone's in a job and they kind of lose that purpose or they believe that they've kind of fulfilled the purpose of that role, then they'll move on. You know, whether it's moving sideways, upwards, downwards to a completely different job, that, that's a real big trend now is, is for people to have career, I'll use your phrase, a career lattice, or, or even, you know, the phrase which has been banded about, which I'm not so sure about, but portfolio work, you know, so doing several different jobs at once rather than kind of focusing on one main career goal. Yeah, portfolio work. And I've, I've heard that a lot, but I do think it's more of a career lattice, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the, the trends that uh, seem to be coming out is that people are going to have, you know, every four years, they're going to have a, a, a new job somewhere else. Um, and that in, in a lifetime, someone could have 35 different jobs in a lifetime is a figure that's bantied about in uh, some of the universities here in the wow. U.S., so that's you know that's that's quite uh, quite a big deal. Do you have a, a lot of sharing? Do you see a lot of the sharing economy hitting the other parts of the world where you're um, engaging? Sorry, how do you mean with the, the sharing? Economy? The sharing economy, like Uber, um, uh, Airbnb. All right. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. That, that's true, and you know, selfishly, that's something we're we're trying to do at Changeboard. You know, we're we're not we're we're much more about kind of sharing and, and community here as well. So, in, in the same way, it's about you know crowdsourcing and that we're we're not an organisation where we do go out and kind of interview people and, and and do things that way. You know, we're much more about collaboration. So we try and get as many people and as many different viewpoints, and you know, allow people to kind of you know write their own articles and their own comments and do a lot more comment pieces that way because it's you know. It, I, it goes back to saying in the Middle East, I think this idea of um, one strong leader and kind of a top-down leadership style is, 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 is almost on the way out. And it's much more about collaboration and purpose and, you know, kind of different goals. Yeah, and values. I think that's absolutely true. Um, quickly, what's next for ChangeBoard? Yep, so sure. Next for ChangeBoard. Well, we've just come out of two major conferences. So there's a little, little bit of a, a small bit of downtime here at the moment, but... Um, we'll be quickly ramping up to kind of prepare for our next two future talent um, conferences coming up in 2017. Um, the big thing that we're doing for, at the moment is a future talent uh, forum, which is kind of like a, a membership scheme where we're trying to get some kind of you know, major thought leaders, so HR directors and CEOs of big companies on board, um, offering them kind of a membership scheme to, to kind of get the best of our content um, invite some of our smaller events so where we will work with kind of um you know some of the people that speak at our conference but on a much smaller scale um and hopefully as well the next thing would be hopefully potentially grow into a different area so you know we kind of work in the uk and the middle east predominantly we'd like to perhaps look at moving out to work in north america or asia as well well i'd love to help you get some exposure in uh, north america i think you have a lot to offer uh, from a global perspective, you know, I have a book 
the winning with trans global leadership that goes into the five dimensions of, of, of what leaders need to do to be successful in this next century. And, and uh, it's, I think it's very widely playing out. Uh, we did a lot of research around it and um, the five characteristics you can see everywhere. Um, many people in the U S say to me, well, these are what leaders should be doing. And I agree with that. I mean, I think it's, it's not just in a global arena, but you know, it's a, it is a major departure from command and control, which just is not going to work. So we're at break. Stay with us. We have a couple of uh, emailed questions in from um, people on uh, listening. So we are talking uh, to Karam Filfalan uh, from uh, ChangeBoard. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host. And with me today is Karam Fafilan from uh, ChangeBoard. And we had a question emailed in uh, from a, 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 an aspiring HR leader, uh, a woman who uh, actually um, is in uh, the Philippines and wants to know what advice you have for um to build her her HR skills, what 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 career advice do you have for HR people? Sure, I mean it's a great question because this is the question I always ask, um, and with asking HR directors myself. So um, it's interesting on, on on the other side of things. Um, I would say the number one thing for someone working in in the HR industry that wants to grow their careers at the moment is is to really, if you're looking to grow within a particular organisation, is to really understand what your business is about. So you know. The times of HR kind of being siloed and, and, and being on its own and, and just kind of being to do with uh, rewards and compensation and hiring and, and so on it, it is over. You know, HR now needs to focus on what it can bring to a business. It, it's not about your kind of staying in your little box and, and just doing that. You need to understand what your business is about. You need to understand what your business aims are. And you need to understand how you can help your business achieve those aims through people and through talent development. So, 
you know, really, really make sure you sit down with all other functions in the business, you know, whether it's finance, whether it's, you know, at the C-suite, whether it's um, you know, anywhere else, you know, just make sure you understand the totality of the business and what they're trying to achieve. And once you've got that, you know, look at what you can bring to, to the table from there. The other thing I would say, just if it, anyone's at a slightly higher level as well, you know, so someone that's HR director but maybe is feeling slightly trapped in that side of things is, you know, we speak to a lot of people about this and how can they start to influence their CEO? How can they you know, start to influence their CFO? And, and the main thing is just, we get told is just, just to go for it. You know, don't sit, sit in that bubble. Make, take your place at the table. Don't kind of you know, wait for someone to offer it to you. You need to be there front and center offering ideas um, and, and just really, you know, focus on the business strategy. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great answer. So, Karen, I just greatly appreciate you being on the show today. And um, how can people get a hold of you? And how can people get a hold of Change Board? Yeah, sure. So, the, I mean, the best thing, you know, initially is, is, is check out our website, which is www.changeboard.com. Uh, or if you're in the Middle East, look at www.changeboard.ae. Um, and in terms of me, you know, more than happy to connect. I'm on Twitter at, at Karen Filfalan, uh, on, on LinkedIn as well, I'm sure. Um, I'm not sure if anyone will be able to find me on the spellings, but, um, or at Changeboard Twitter, that's another way to con- connect with us. So, yeah, we'd be happy to hear from anyone. And anyone that wants to contribute to the site or has an interesting story to tell, please get in touch. Yeah, and I think, you know, this uh, this future work um, group that you're trying to put together could be a very interesting thing if people want to get into some cutting-edge stuff that's going on around the world. Definitely, definitely. It's, it's our main main brand. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It's been a pleasure uh, meeting you and, and working with you guys, and I just love everybody at ChangeBoard, and uh, best of luck with everything else that you've got going and coming down the pike. So thanks, thanks for so being on the you. show. Thank you. So coming up, um, we have a great lineup of, of folks. As you probably know, um, myself and Marag Barrett are writing our new book. Um, we're still working on the title, but it's really focusing on the sort of the, the non-traditional things that you need to think about for the world of work to be relevant in the 21st century. And uh, it's resonating a lot uh, with people. And and as uh, Karam said, I I was speaking at the Ashram Conference. I had more people come up to me um, and talk about how, boy, that's really true, the things from the 20th century that just are not going to come over and play into the 21st century. And then I had a wonderful dialogue with Dave Ulrich uh, about his thoughts. Um, Fortunately, he... I opened the conference and he closed the conference and I told him I was holding my breath that uh, he was giving similar or at least aligned advice to uh, HR leaders and we were very much in the same place because culture is going to be something that is going to be driving organizations much more so than it ever did in the 21st century and this is something that we're really going to have to peel the onion back on and there's a lot of methodology around this by the way. There's a lot of research, there's a lot of Uh, psychometric uh, and valid and reliable surveys that can help tell you exactly what your culture is and then help you with your leaders define what the culture needs to be to support the strategy. And I think that's the important question. A lot of people go at this from the perspective of um, what's the current state. And really what's important, yes, it's important to understand the current state because you can't get a roadmap for change in, or, or transformation if you don't understand that. But the real question is, what's the culture that you need to drive your stat- strategy forward? 
And that is what gives you the aspiration and the inspiration for, for transforming where you are today. And it's got to be linked to the strategy. You know, if you're trying to build more, more of a customer base across, across the region, you know, you have to have a culture that listens and that is collaborative and it is not top down. And that becomes very compelling for every CEO and every organization that I've ever done this work with. And I've done a lot of this work. It actually is the hallmark of in reality who I am as a leader. So let me talk to you a little bit about the lineup here that I think is going to be very interesting. Dave Ulrich is going to be on. He's going to be talking about his latest thinking around leadership. Uh, he'll be talking a little bit about HR, but really more from a point of view around where he sees this whole leadership equation going in the world. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to have him. We're also going to be having Sir Clive Woodward, who I also met at uh, the conference. He is the coach or was the former coach of the um, British football team, a winning team, which he brought together. And the fascinating part is he's using a lot of data and analytics in in figuring out how team players were reacting in certain situations and could really see plays uh, very differently through the technology that they were using with players. He's taken that information and translated that to a really elegant coaching model that he now uses within within organizations. Because my research for one of my books, uh, Optimizing Talent, really said that coaching and mentoring are going to be the primary tools for developing talent and developing leaders going forward. And so I loved the coaching model that he had. It's easy, very uh, simple to apply, and a huge value add. So I think that's going to be an exciting show. And then I also have Jean Lee from Price uh, Waterhouse Coopers. She's on the first Future of Work committee from Price Waterhouse Coopers, a sponsor, early sponsor of this show, which I was thrilled to have. And she's going to be talking about, from a technology point of view, what are some of the trends that that they're seeing and that they're gearing up for in the workplace. So it should be a fun and uh, interesting month. So thank you, everyone, for being with me on my show. I appreciate so much the, the listenership that I've been getting from around the world. It's it's quite exciting to see that people are interested in in these kinds of topics in the way that you all are. And thanks so much for sending in your questions. It's really been great. Stay tuned and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead. The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.